Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. This week, I am super excited about our guest. We have the beautiful Yvette Rose. Yvette is an author, life coach, trauma release practitioner, and personal development teacher. Yvette strives to support people in their healing journeys. She is the founder of Metaphysical Anatomy and Rapid Growth Healing Technique. Yvette is best known for her work in helping people to resolve trauma from their past and freeing them to live successful and fulfilling lives. Yvette's work is drawn from personal experience, moving from a difficult past into a well-balanced life and career. She has traveled around the world twice and taught personal development seminars in more than 43 countries and helped thousands of people worldwide. Yvette learned many techniques to powerfully shift the trauma of abuse until she hit a wall and stopped getting results. This is when she realized that trauma does not necessarily start in our life. There is ancestral, conception, womb and birth trauma that also has an impact on our emotional and mental state. As a result of discovering her own healing ability, along with what she learned over the years, she completely changed her life. She felt inspired to share what she learned with those who were ready for big breakthroughs and transformation and started to write her books, support clients and host personal development seminars. Her philosophy is that we as the human race are not destined to live our lives in pain due to past trauma or abuse. We suppressed our ability to complete and heal trauma naturally and as a result, our true identity is influenced by trauma. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today, it could be evening or morning, depends where you are on this um lovely planet today we have the lovely Yvette Rose which I'm super excited about so welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you so much and I'm so excited to be here with you today. I'm super excited so as we always love to start the show is to ask our woman of inspiration her unique story so Yvette tell us what inspired you to do what you do today. You know This is such a great question. And this can go in so many different directions because ultimately we start to feel inspired or at least before the inspiration comes, there's something that pushes you to create a change. 
And because we actually biologically have such an inherited fear of change, because we're creatures of habit, we like to stay in our comfort zones, that the very thing that we need, which is change, is the very thing that we actually also do fear. And without that change, it's hard to create something that you want other than the life that you have. So I had to face my greatest fear first, and that was change. And, you know, it, it kind of started with having to be in a place of pain that was so great that that the fear of the of the change seemed like it was a little molehill compared to a mountain. And this place of pain that I found myself against is, which is I call a call of action, right? But that's when we listen. We don't listen when things are going well. We listen when things are not going well. And when we start to feel discomfort and pain. And all this started because of coping mechanisms that I reverted to because I couldn't cope and deal with the distress that I was having in my life as I matured throughout my years, which was stemming from my childhood. Now, having lived my life a certain way, as we know, you don't always know better than or other than what you experience in your childhood. And so that means the life that I lived and the way that I built my life based on trauma and stress that I experienced from the past, everything felt normal. The pain actually felt normal. The distress felt normal. The destructive working habits, the destructive relationships, everything felt normal. And what inspired me was seeing people around me that truly look happy. When I'm sitting here thinking, all that I want to do is find a painless way to end my life and I know many of us have been there and I speak very openly about this because this is raw feelings it's vulnerable feelings but it's feelings that we all feel no one is above feeling pain it's just how we go about dealing with that pain that is very different for us in in some cases now where and why was I in such a place of pain well firstly it was because of my relationship with my father um, it was a very destructive relationship. I was the only child and my mom and dad couldn't actually have children. And so 10 years, just voila, you know, there I came and I surprised both of them. And my dad was a very self-absorbed individual. He couldn't handle me coming into the picture and, you know, the attention being diverted away from him. And he was an alcoholic as well. He was a narcissist. He was actually clinically diagnosed as a borderline sociopath um, 20 years ago. So this is now the kind of person that, that, that you know, I was introduced to as being a father figure. <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily the healthiest type of dynamic that we had. And the distress and the constant rejection and the fighting and the abuse, the emotional abuse, the mental abuse, the physical abuse that came from his side really shaped me into becoming a person that I thought was very resilient, was very strong towards abuse, towards aggression, towards violence, because I felt strong and numb in the face of that, because that's all that I knew. And so, and don't forget the part where his parents were pedophiles as well. So that came into the whole family mix as well and, and left its traces and marks, which is what my first book, Finding Your Own Voice, was about. It was actually about the pedophilia and my relationship with my dad and how I turned my life around from that. And this place of pain that I was in with my dad and the way that it set me up emotionally, psychologically, which is not, you know, you can only imagine that you're not going to attract the best 
partners. You're not going to attract the best friendships because your barometer in terms of what you feel that you're worthy of is so incredibly low. But that is completely, and in most cases, not within our conscious awareness because we don't know anything outside of that. So we accept anything that comes in that remotely makes us feel good because we're so desperate for that acceptance. We're so desperate to feel like we're part of a family unit, especially if you come from one where you've consistently been rejected from. And that's where the danger lies because you accept whatever comes. And what normally comes is not always the highest and best vibration and match for you because you don't feel worthy of having better and greater people in your life. So you don't even look at them. You admire them, but you don't even think of, wow, I would love to have that person as a partner or wow, I would love to have that person as a friend. And so getting involved with, with you know, people, friends and relationships that was very toxic, very parasitic, very um, because I gave and I gave and I gave. And that was my way of trying to validate my self-worth. But then you also reach a point where you give and you give so much that you fall apart. You start to lose your sense of self because you're constantly adapting yourself like a chameleon to fit in with people. And at the end of the day, you don't even know who you are anymore. You don't even know what your favorite color is anymore. You don't even know what it is that you want to do with your life anymore. And I found myself in that place. And so these destructive relationships and the destructive relationship that I was in, because my journey started when I was 23 and it started in quite a big way, just about borderline 22, but more so 23 really lifted off when I started going through my awakening. And that was when I was at a time where I was in a very violent, abusive relationship. The guy was exactly like my dad. He was, he loved women. He was an alcoholic. And he, he started after four years, he switched and he started to become violent because he had a mistress, which I didn't know about. And we were supposed to get engaged. I'm in a business or in a job where I was working three people's jobs because I didn't want to lose my financial security. So I made sure that, you know, I'm, I'm indispensable, that these people love me. And I succeeded in that. But I also paid a price. I was working long, long hours and I didn't have friends. And I reverted to alcoholism as well. I couldn't cope with the emotional stress that I was feeling, which was also emotional stress from the past that was now starting to come up because my lifestyle was set up in a way that I couldn't sustain myself anymore. I couldn't sustain the emotional distress and the trauma that it was constantly creating over time because in my childhood, I experienced big events that were very traumatic. But because of the numbness and because of the state of disassociation that I went through in my life, the events that should have been traumatic didn't feel as traumatic because I was so numb to it. And so this is what I call silent trauma taking place over a long period of time because stressful circumstances over a long period of time can also be traumatic. The body can experience trauma at some point when you start to run out of emotional, psychological resources to cope with it. And so that is exactly where I found myself. I was smoking 30 cigarettes a day. I found myself being an alcoholic. I hated my life. I hated myself. I had my job. Everything was just not working. And it came to a point where I just decided, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm just surviving. I'm not thriving here. And I'm sick of it. If this is what life is about. God, F you, F everyone else. I don't want to hear about guardian angels to hell with this to hell with life purpose, because if this is what a purpose looks like, I'm done. 
and and really I was very clear on that decision. I woke up five o'clock that morning and I left the voice message on my manager's phone, handing over all my work and responsibilities to, you know, to whoever it is that they wanted to delegate it to. And I Googled how to end my life. And, you know, this was back then when we still had these big computers, the, the clunky Dell computers with the big keyboards and the big screens. And I remember there it was five o'clock. I was having a vodka. I was having a cigarette. And I sat there and I thought to myself, you know what? This competitive side of me came out, which I always have had there. I always had a competitive side of me. And back then it was destructive. It was very, very destructive. But that actually saved my life. Because I sat there and I thought to myself, why am I suffering when I have seen people in my office, I see people in the park, when I have lunch, I see people walking around me that are really, truly happy. They're not in a place of pain where I am in. What are these people doing that I'm not? And I thought, hang on. So I opened another tab on the computer and I typed in how to be happy. And then, you know, I started to see all these angels, readings and classes and workshops and crystals and Neil Donald Walsh conversations with God. And I'm thinking, thinking, oh, my Lord, is this it? Is this the answer? And I looked at the screen and I and I went from being brought up and raised Christian, being abused with the Bible and the fear induced by God with the with the churches and everything I actually flipped I became an atheist and now here I'm facing something where I have to believe again in something that I perceive as being outside of myself and I thought okay I really I my heart sank into my feet but I sat there and I thinking I am so unresourceful right now that I'm thinking of ending my life who am I to judge what I'm seeing on the screen right now and I decided to take the plunge I decided to try and I didn't realize what was waiting for me. I had no idea. The awakening that came from realizing that my life was abusive. I went through childhood abuse. I went through, you know, the sexual abuse, the, the rape that I went through when I was in my teenage years as well. That's also in my, in my autobiography. All these things, I didn't realize how that can be recorded and captured in the body and the pain that it can continue to cause you if you don't address it. But the worst part is that I didn't even have awareness of that. I thought everything was just, it happens and the body deals with it and life goes on and you just plunder forward. But I was so wrong. And I dived so deep into my journey. It, it took me three months to really get into that. And and I I closed my eyes and I jumped into into that rabbit hole as I would call it. And three months later, I quit my job and I started personal development because I became so passionate about it because I started to see the changes in me. And I thought, my God, if I can do this, then other people can do this. And I want to share how I changed my life around and how I did it so fast as well, because I realized from trial and error that healing can be painful, but it doesn't have to be. And that's how metaphysical anatomy was born completely by chance. It was just as I was having clients, I started being invited for workshops. And, you know, I started seeing patterns and algorithms between people with having certain elements and emotions and thinking, goodness, I've, I saw this book about Louise Hay and all these other books about emotional elements, but there were so many components in these books missing. 
I thought, I'm going to fill in this missing gaps because I have no, I don't have the energy to reinvent wheels. There's no point in that. It's there. It's create something new. And so I thought, fine. Where are the gaps in all these books? And that's when I started diving into the epigenetics. I dived deeper into associations. I dived deeper into the subconscious mind and the consciousness, and as well as the biological body and how it stores trauma and how it also releases that. So that is how my journey started. Wow. And for our listeners, you um, obviously can't see, but the Yvette has this most beautiful book, which I have right in front of me. It's called The Metaphysical Anatomy, and it's Your Body is Talking, Are You Listening? And it's, I highly recommend it. It's going to blow your mind because it's like, I think you've got something like 679 medical conditions in there, which I'm curious. Yes. How did you come up with 679? <laughs> Was that from a personal experience plus working with your clientele? Um, yes. So what happened was I I've worked with over six thousand people in the past twelve years. I was I was very very active with clients. I was very active with um, live events as well, observing, working with them, and and just seeing these patterns and these points. And what I did was I started documenting everything. And when I was starting to look at the notes, sometimes referencing back to certain people with ailments, thinking, oh, but this one have to, has this issue too. Let me see what I what kind of work I did with them. And then I would look at the notes, and as I would progress with this with a new client, I'm like, oh, it's the same. The overlap is the same in terms of the trauma trigger points, the 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 emotional behavioral aspects and the coping mechanisms. All these things are the same, but they're from different countries. And I was fascinated by it. And that's when I started compiling all the notes together and started categorizing them in the different ailments and diseases that, that people had when they came to me. And so I found myself with about 400 and I thought, but there's so much more than that. So I went on Wikipedia and I just Googled how many ailments and diseases do we have in, uh, in general that's quite popular. And then, and then more, I think more than 700 came up and I saw all these ones that I didn't have. So I started doing more research with people who had these ailments actually actively looking for them amongst my communities and interviewing them, talking to them and, and getting this information from them and comparing it to other people. And so a lot of ailments that I also, there were some of them that I weren't able to find actual people for. And what I real and this is when I realized that I have a bit of a gift for understanding the body language, understanding when someone talks to me, when someone has a certain emotional or ailment, to connect to that part where it started in the body and then to observe what is the emotional patterns and the stress being held hidden in the body that's contributing to this ailment or locking it into place. And so I watched YouTube videos of people with certain diseases being interviewed and got the information to, and, and the information came forward. And I started to document that and by feedback, of people who had these elements that I met later on, asking them to go through it and to read it, it was spot on. And I thought, damn, this is looking much better than I realized. And <laughs> I didn't realize the accuracy of what I, I was able to do with these people until I started getting the feedback. And I thought, this is amazing. I'm gonna compile this in a book. And I started with just to do it in a book, like a manual and shared in the live events and people said to me, Yvette, you have to sell this book. You can't just, you know, keep it at the live events. And I thought, okay, well, um, I'll do self-publishing and I'll see how it goes. Four years later, it was being sold in 80 countries and I had no idea. <laughs> so it, 
and, and you know that that's that's basically how the elements aspect of that started to expand and i'm still expanding it and that's why we're getting the mobile phone app to come out which will be released very soon because that gives me the capacity to continuously update the book because the spine is so big that the publishers just said no more information we can't we can't add anymore so we're doing it in the app well, that's very exciting. And Evan, I'm curious, are you talking about personal development and you're working with clients? So what were you, were you taking them through basically a coaching session where you were just asking questions and, and understanding um, what was going on and then, or were they coming to you with a pain? Like how did, how did it actually work? Because for our listeners, you can't see the book, but there are things like you can look up anything, you know, sore back, sore shoulders, whatever that may be. And it's got... Areas like key points, I guess the key points really make you think of uh, where this uh, may have come from, whether it's, you know, your upbringing or relationship with your mother or father, whatever that may be. And it's even got some questions where it probes you to think about, um, you know, this particular pain in your body. So I'm curious, how how did you work with people? So that's a great question. And one of the reasons why, when I said earlier, in the, I just didn't want to go too much into everything because I, I was just conscious of time, but I'm going to dive into it now. So when I said that earlier, when I left my job, you know, as within three months and I started to host events and started to work more with clients, what prompted that was I, I was working on the sexual abuse trauma and I was already playing around with different techniques and modalities. And, you know, you kind of find something and it works to a certain extent. And then you kind of graduate from that and then you, and you move on to the next technique. And that's why having so many healing techniques worldwide is such a beautiful and powerful thing because there's something for everyone and we need that. It's so important. And because I definitely got so much value out of that. And so when I was working with someone, I didn't realize that the session involved actually reliving the trauma. And so here I'm working with the sexual abuse and the lady that was helping me had the same history as me, hence why she was also so passionate about it. But unfortunately, the trigger within me was so severe that she couldn't handle the way that I reacted to it. And it triggered her unresolved stuff. And she couldn't get me out of that state. And it was a nightmare. I was so out of it, so emotionally out of it that I couldn't even drive home. I called a taxi and I went to my office and I, and I opened up the, the sheet that I've been playing with in terms of algorithms of how the body stores trauma. And I just, and I called a friend as you do in a crisis. And I said to her, listen, I need, I'm going to read this to you. And I'm crying my eyes out as I'm, as I'm trying to talk to this poor woman. And I said, and you need, I need you to talk me through this because I can't talk myself through this right now. And so she talked me through it. And within 10 minutes, the cycles in my body completed. And it's like, it never happened. And I'm thinking, wow, that day was a catalyst moment for me when I thought I have something incredibly powerful here in front of me. And that's when I started incorporating and playing with that in my client sessions. And the results that I started to get were so incredible that that's what my life events eventually started being based upon, which is the metaphysical anatomy technique, math. And because... One thing that I am very passionate about, the specific technique and why I was so inspired to work that into volume two is that the work is designed so that you don't have to relive the trauma because we know neurogenesis exists. We know neuroplasticity exists now. It's now just been confirmed. It's been there for millions of years. 
But the point is that we always talk about positive neurogenesis, which is when we have new neural pathways grow, and neuroplasticity when we have neural pathways either strengthening or weakening with certain messages in that. Now we always go, wow, yes, we can, we can rewire our brain. Let me show you how to do that. Come to my two-day workshop. Well, that's great. We've actually been rewiring our brain since without actually realizing it, but by breaking patterns, by breaking habits, we've always just been doing it. What people are doing is that they're just giving you a bit, a bit of a better structure how to do that. But the point is we also can have that flip in the negative. It can flip in the negative. And that means that when you go through healing work, it can become so traumatic or so stressful that you build a negative association with the very thing that you need in order to help to change your life. And that is healing work and change work. It's not that the actual technique is necessarily the problem. It's the experience that you have throughout the process. And if that is traumatic, if that is stressful, your body's going to form a negative association with that, releasing a biochemical reaction in you as you have the thought of it. And then the body already reacts with fear before you even start the healing work. That's why a lot of people sabotage healing work. It's because they haven't found a technique that is gentle and that can help them to release trauma in a gentle way. And I realized that and I thought, how can we make healing work, you know, sexy and attractive for people and, and fun who wants to change their life, but they're too scared or be burnt in the past or how to not relive that. So I spent a, a big amount of time on designing this technique so that you don't have to relive the trauma. You don't even need to have an accurate memory of what happened because we know now by the fifth time that you you know, tell a memory, you've lost 50% of its validity. And I cannot tell you how many people I've helped that spent thousands of dollars trying to heal a memory that just never happened. Because most of our memories are fake. They're not even real. Because as we try to vaguely recollect the memory, we, we don't always remember everything, but we fill in the gaps and the patches with things that we think that could be relevant based on how we feel, thinking, oh, but I would have, if that happened, that's how I would feel. Okay, well, maybe that's what happened then. And boom, you're patching these different images and clips together and you're sitting with a false memory, trying to heal something that just never happened. And then you wonder why you don't get better. So we, memories for me is irrelevant. We don't really focus too much um, on memories because they're not accurate. And the other aspect also is that we don't always need to know the root cause of the trauma because sometimes the root cause can actually be an ancestral trauma that came forward and is now being expressed through the biological makeup as an emotion, but you don't make that distinction. So you accept it as your own. And now here's here's the sad part. You know, so many people downplay the ancestral um, predispositions being able to come forward, but what they don't realize is that, you know, research that has actually been suppressed, interestingly enough, where the scientists have actually said, no, at least almost a third of our emotions and experiences are being triggered through our ancestral DNA lineages. Phobias is a great example. There's a 50% chance that a phobia that you have belongs to an ancestor and not even to you. So these are just simple examples of, you know, how trauma can come forward. But the point is, I, I designed this technique because to, to look at where can we cause people to not slip through the cracks, right? So it's looking at what's missing in other modalities and how can I fulfill that? How can I help people to get results by filling these gaps and to make it painless? And that, that's how that technique was eventually developed over the years. Mm, I love that. And I'm curious, Yvette. Uh, so what I'm hearing is that 
the reason that we hang on to the trauma is because our body or our mind is resisting the change and that's the healing when we accept the change this is when we start to automatically heal we don't need to go to the root cause uh, so it, it, i guess it, it it makes me think what exactly is the technique then how do we rewire our brain away from trauma so firstly, what normally helps is, and this is what I do in all my events, we actually address the fear of change first. So we look at what trauma do you have associated with change? Because every time when you try to take an action that, that requires change, the subconscious mind goes back and it thinks, oh, what, what did, how did we react last time when we tried to change something? What happened then? Oh, and now it triggers a lot of memories of the past of what things of emotional stress and factors and, and triggers that happened while you were trying to change. And most cases, these, these memories are implicit memories, which means that we don't have conscious recollection to that. So all that we feel is just anxious, but we don't know why we feel anxious, but the subconscious mind and the emotional body does. And now you, you, you're trying to create change fighting through this anxiety. It, it's, it's, you're becoming the hamster in the wheel. And so normally what really works is we look at the, the fear of change and that's by, you know, just addressing secondary gains for about five minutes before a session to just get any hidden benefits and secondary gains out of the way. And a wonderful way of, of um, finding that to just easily the $1 million question is, and guys, for anyone listening, don't bother going to these two-day workshops where people tell you, I'm going to teach you how to find your secondary gains. No, I'm going to teach you in one minute how to find that. And you, you simply ask yourself the question, what in my life will change that I'm not ready to change if I changed X, Y, Z today? Meaning whatever issue it is that you wanted to address. So I'll repeat that. What in my life will change that I'm not ready to change if I did heal, say, my back pain today? And that is your secondary gain. That is your hidden fear behind the issue and the reason why you are still in that place of pain based on the specific topic that you want to heal. Now, when we have established that, we look at the emotions. So now when you work with emotional trauma and with pain and with addictions, they're slightly, slightly, slightly different approaches because of the way that the body stores the trauma, simply only because of that, because the body has its own algorithm and we try to project an artificial, made algorithm onto the body in terms of how it should release trauma and then we still wonder why doesn't it get happy like people working with energy work outside of the body and it's this way and it's that way and it's you know hands going here but it's like no 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 we need to come back into the body we need to actually understand how does the biology work you can't just assume you can't just have an intention but there's something outside of me that knows that no that's your responsibility we need to know that but you don't need to be an anatomy expert the only thing that you need to be an expert in is to understand that, okay, now I feel an emotion. Where is that emotion going? Because emotions are the most accurate way of healing. Even if you can feel it by just one out of 10, that's perfect. Because this emotion is stored and held in the cellular memory of the emotional body. It's stored and held in the subconscious mind as well as in the hippocampus, which is where we have our long-term emotional memory. So either way, you tap into all the necessary aspects that's important incredibly important to have a little bit activated when you do a healing session because when you release the emotion it releases the memory that this emotions and the the cellular programming in different parts of the body also becomes resolved at the same time without needing to accurately know where what and how 
or what is the memory or what is the root cause? You don't need to know that. If you can feel it, you can heal it. And so, yes. Oh, I was just curious. How then would you so if you can feel it? How do you release it? How do you release that emotion? If you can feel it in your body, that's a five-day event. Oh, okay. No, no, I hear you. That's a five-day event because what happens is, for example, so now we switch to pain again where we were earlier talking about emotions. I just don't want to confuse people. I just want to finish the one about emotions and I go into pain because this is the reason why it can get a little bit, not hairy, but if we don't understand how the body stores trauma, then we're not going to really necessarily understand how to release that. So when we look at the emotions, we have, we, it's very important that we look at subconscious associations that were formed, which can easily, which, which we can easily find. But, and again, the secondary gains that we have, then we need to look at how has this emotion and instinctive responses that we also had, which we're not always consciously aware of. How have all these components been wired together? Because what wires together fires together. And then dismantling that um, during the session, during during the actual technique, so that these components can stop firing together. And not just cognitively, but also through the cellular memory of the body, also through the cellular memory of the ancestors. And now, when we work with pain, every time 100%, when you have someone that's in pain, you know that you're dealing with someone that, uh, that is struggling with suppressed anger. Someone that is that whose boundaries have been so severely crossed, or someone that feels such a deep sense of injustice or resentment or helpless or powerless in their life, but they feel too scared to express their boundaries. And this suppression, I mean, this is just one of many examples, but the end, the end, the end um, point that I'm trying to make here is that suppressed anger is normally there. Now, depending on what the suppressed anger is about, the location of the pain will tell you exactly that. That will tell you exactly what that is. So now in order to heal pain, you don't actually look at the actual pain. You don't go there, you know, resolving and dissolving the, the pain with, with the light or, or whatever it is that people might do. Or, you know, you actually have to look at what caused the pain. What is the emotion that caused the pain? Because the pain is a secondary problem. That's a symptom. And we don't deal with symptoms. If you want to work with symptoms, you will never heal. And so pain and, for example, addictions as well, all these aspects are just symptoms. And that's where people get lost. We need to look at the subconscious distress of why is the pain there in the first place. And so the emotions is normally what that is. But why is it that, that this person feels the anger? So here comes the cool part. Anger is normally a fight instinctive response connected. It's connected to our instinctive responses. So the only time when we do have an instinctive response trigger is because you have reached a point where you feel so emotionally unresourceful in your life that you've reached your limit, that you don't know how to cope with it or deal with it or get your power back from that anymore. And it puts you in that place of powerlessness. It puts you in that place of helplessness, as well as feeling maybe resentful or you know, I should have done this. I should have done that. And if someone has been pushed into a corner for a certain amount of time, it's like an animal. Any animal that you try to corner and you intimidate them and you bully them, doesn't matter how timid or cute that little animal is look like, they are going to react with anger at some point because they've had enough. They will react. 
not necessarily attack you, but they're going to have aggressive reaction to get out of that situation. But whereas we now have a, a very fancy designed frontal cortex and, you know, our cognitive system has come to the point where we can override these instinctive responses. So instead of attacking, we actually try to be the peacekeeper and we can, we can um, continue to suppress that. But that is when the body is like, no, we don't do that. We don't suppress something that's natural that needs to come out. So I'm going to make you now feel what we need to feel. And that's through the suppressed anger coming through as actual physical pain. I promise you 100% guaranteed, if you want to look at someone who has pain, you will find suppressed anger 100% every single time. Mm, and I think uh, what I was getting to with the question was more so for our listeners, when they purchase your book, the sure. physical anatomy, and they've got a pain, and let's say they look at their pain, whatever the pain is, back pain, leg pain, whatever that may be. Ah, yes. Uh, for, for them, that is how they would use, it would start with a pain, then the book would actually guide them to what, what emotion is attached to that or yes. the fear of change. Yes, that's correct. And then what they can do is, and for those of you listening, in the book, it's it will show you um, www.guidedhealingsession.com. It's absolutely free. It's an actual guided healing session that you can go through every time as you go through the book and you have something coming up because people ask me, so what do I do now? Perfect. Okay, now you're going to go through the healing guided session and, you know, start to look at why is that there? What is there? The book, the book and that session together is going to take you to the next level of where you want to be. And it actually helps you to deal with it. And then I also have the matmembers.com site, which is free online healing courses. It's absolutely free where you can dive into the courses section and just go through different courses that I'm still adding on to um, more courses as, as we progress healing your fears, anxiety, everything, whatever it is that you feel stuck with, jump in there and go go take advantage of this content that's there and combine that with the book. Mm, I love that. And with the book, it's one of those things for our listeners, when you, you have a look at the book, it's one of those things. It's not a book that you read through. It's more the way that I no. use it is when I have pain, I go to it and that's then I, I sit with it and I explore, I do some journaling. But it's one of those books that it, it's – one of those books that you always go to when there's somebody that's got a pain right. or it's family or something, I'll say, oh, you know, they actually call me now. Ring, go and look it up and tell me what is it. So I think it's one of those books that you'll have for life. And it, you're never done, right? right? It's, it's as the layers keep coming up, it's something new comes up, you know. And do you find exactly. that with that as, as you're working through one thing, another thing will come up? Yes, absolutely. There's layers. And the reason why we have these layers is that you have your ancestor predispositions. Then you have your own unique life experiences, you know, from conception through birth until your childhood, your adult life, that also shapes and, and sets you up in a certain way. And then you have, you know, our reactions to our environment and stress factors around that, that also shapes us through epigenetics. And so this is just a really good example of, you know, <laughs> How many different aspects and, and um, ways that trauma can come forward? So, yes, absolutely. Mm. It, it, there can be layers, but we think that because there's layers that we, we don't, um, we're not getting better, we're not making change. But no, yes, we are. We are changing, we are healing. It's just a matter of there's a different angle stored from a different um, point of view within the emotional body that we 
that we need to heal. But now here's the thing that I just want to share, for example, quickly as well. When we have these layers also coming up, sometimes what can happen is if we work with, say, a belief or a symptom or, I don't know, a complaint, this is not dealing with the actual problem. And that's why you're going to find yourself running into more and more and more and more layers. So that's why for me personally, it's better to just dive straight into, okay, well, that, that's your symptom. That's your belief. That's your reaction or complaint. But let's talk about how does it make you feel? How does that make you feel? Because now you might feel I'm unworthy because you were abused as a child. But now you were also perhaps bullied at school that made you feel unworthy. But when you look at the trauma points, they're very different. But it's the same belief. So now if you think that you heal or delete or whatever the belief, it's not going to tackle both um, trauma points that contributed to this belief system because of the way that our brain is cognitively wired and how neuroplasticity and neurogenesis ends up forming within itself. So by just working on a cognitive level, you're skipping the emotional body. You're skipping the biological body. You're skipping the fascia that also stores trauma. You're skipping the vagus nerve. You're skipping so many aspects of where trauma is also being stored, right? And so that's also a different tangent and component as to why we can have layers. It depends what you tackle and how you tackle that. It does make sense. And when you're thinking about, when you're looking at all of us, we go through our development phase and our imprinting phase Uh, those first seven years and you hear this quite often that a lot of those programs uh, live in that deeper part of our our subconscious mind and how is it that people can actually connect with those like you were saying like connect with the 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 actual uh, emotion or connect with that memory not so much unpack it but actually make start making those connections it for me I think for me it does take time and and time is of essence I think a lot of people find they don't have enough time but I think it's about making the time right to really exactly get that's true so that's and you true. find that I, I feel that a lot of people don't connect with uh let's say their programs so what's the trick? Right. What would you like to say to our listeners? Like, how do they start tapping it? Of course, with your book, absolutely. But that's more, for me, the way I use that, it's more when I have a pain to connect with it. But is there anything right. that people can bring stuff that's from that subconscious part of our mind into our conscious part of our mind to actually start absolutely. working with it? Absolutely. So a fun technique that I love to use that's very powerful is to imagine a beautiful ball of light and you can give it any color of your choice above your head and then you allow that ball of light which now represents your consciousness your awareness so that your awareness is not scattered you have it focused in one place and then have that there and then feel what you're feeling what is what is the problem first okay well now that you have the problem how does that problem make you feel then where in your body Do you feel that problem? Where's the home for it? Where's the starting point for it? Now, it can be one place. It can be two places. You can feel it in your shoulder. You can feel it in your heart. You can feel it in your stomach, wherever it is. And when you have established that, allow that beautiful light to drop slowly, very slowly, slowly down into the body and let it stop at each point where you feel the emotion. And then you have to now spontaneously just allow your body to shout at you or say, give yourself a countdown, three, two, one. What is the message? 
And the less you think about it, the clearer the message will come forward. And you will feel your body saying something. You're going to have a message. You're going to say enough or stop this or what is, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I hate this. Okay, now we know where in the body, but now you can go to the cheat sheet or the quick reference guide in the book and look at where this this part in the body, you know, on, on the on the on the um, guide, which is also in the map members. We actually created one page um, document, and not just you know a, a short ten page manual, but also a one page document that you can go grab to make it easier. And then you can see what is it that you've had enough of. If you can get a clearer message after that, normally you will, but if you feel that you get stuck, then you can have a look at that one sheet and go, okay, I've had enough of not being able to receive. And this is where I'm in a place of pain. What in my life right now is reflecting that or what has been recently reflecting that? Okay. Now I'm starting to see the pattern. So now we have awareness because awareness of a problem is a problem to have solved. The other half is just whatever technique it is that you want to use to shift that. So that's a really cool way to already tap into what is the hidden the stress that's there in the body i love that it's like a, a body scan so event for our listeners yeah. you talked about epigenetics do you want to unpack yes. that a little bit just to explain what that is exactly so epigenetics is in terms of how we react to our environment and how emotional reaction to our environment can shape the biological expression in our body. Now, it doesn't necessarily change it, but it changes certain expressions in the body because to say that it completely changes, it means we're talking about DNA being changed, which can only happen if you do have an epigenetic reaction to say in your environment, let's say famine. And in your DNA lineage, there, there was slavery or famine trauma where they were starved of food. They were only had a certain food staple because of poverty. And something in your life happens where you maybe you lose your job or you experience a certain kind of trauma and you start to feel and it triggers this famine epigenetic memory. And now what happens is that your body almost biochemically reacts as if though it's going through that traumatic situation again. And of course, that can come into the form of overeating. It can come forward in the form of hoarding. And so when you heal the pain points that you can feel within yourself and also having an indirect ripple effect back into the past, into the ancestral trauma points, what you can do is if you can actually heal that to the point where you don't feel affected by the need to hoard or the need to take action on this unresolved wound or trauma, what happens is the expression becomes switched off again. And if you did a really good job and that expression stays switched off for the next 100 to 200 years, then yes, you're changing your actual DNA strand in your DNA lineage. And then the change becomes permanent on a DNA level. So that in short is how I see and, and how I've been observing epigenetics working. And that is basically what we're doing. We're literally changing our future DNA lineage by working on ourselves. Wow, that's amazing. And so from working on ourselves now, we can actually change our ancestral path exactly mm. we can we can completely shape that but not just the ancestral path but you know your present future and your if you have children that can have that can change and shift in them as well and even though if they are already born it doesn't matter it still has a change in the DNA lineage because you are biologically connected and we communicate through the organisms within the DNA cell, cellular levels as well as with the mitochondria DNA and 
so you know it depends where the mitochondrial DNA is from mom or dad they always said no it's not from dad well yes it is it that's why you have sometimes characteristics of your dad it's not just from the mother and that's a fact that's an actually being proven now finally it's very rare but it does happen and so it just depends which parent is doing the healing work that parent is going to create the ripple effect into the future as well Mm, wow, that's amazing. So Yvette, I'm curious, throughout your most adventurous journey and doing all of this work, what has been your greatest lesson that you have learned thus far? The greatest lesson that I've learned so far? That's very interesting to ask. Um, let me think. Oh, you know what? When I actually look at my lifestyle, I used to be a very materialistic person. I used to absolutely love having a big house, which I always did. I always had big houses, big yards, swimming pools, and, and you know, beautiful furniture, all these things that I absolutely, I love to surround myself with things that felt and looked great. And the more I started to travel, the more I realized I had to let go of these aspects. And, you know, having traveled through so much and having just a small little suitcase that you put in the overhead locker on the airplane. I didn't never check in my baggage. I have a backpack and my overhead locker suitcase. And that's how I've been traveling for almost more than 10 years. I've learned the, the beauty of what real true freedom is like to not attach my identity and my worth to something physical, to not attach my, my security and, and my financial worth or, or how worthy I feel to what I can see around myself, but rather, associate that with the richness of experiences that I have been having in my life and that for me is when I really truly understood from my perspective the definition and the concept of what real freedom is like. Wow that's very powerful love that. Yvette as we start wrapping up the show we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand what would be that one word for you my dearest? Transformation. <laughs> of course, transformation. And the last question that we love to ask our women of inspiration is to share three shiny gold nuggets with our listeners. So what would be like three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our listeners today? Absolutely. So if you struggle with anxiety, I would highly recommend that every time when you feel anxious, is to do the alpha brainwave state. And how you do that is you just sit up with your shoulders back. You just look slightly a little bit up at the ceiling, not too much, but just so that your airway is nice nice and open. Because sometimes when we have anxiety or panic attacks, we, we, we can experience what's called fake hypoxia, which the body is tricking to thinking that it can't breathe, but you actually can. So if you just look up, and, and if you have that, just completely look up to the ceiling and you'll find yourself being able to breathe take, through your mouth taking nice deep breaths, calming the body down already. And so what you should do in that case is to take a nice deep breath in the mouth and then all the air out the nose and then in the mouth and then out the nose. But deep breaths like, and then out the nose and then in the mouth. And you're going to do that 10 times. And on the 10th breath in the mouth, you're going to hold it for as long as you can. As long as you can, you're going to feel dizzy. And even if you feel like falling over, perfect. Lie down then. And exhale out through the nose when you can't hold it anymore. And just allow yourself to drop into that place of dizziness. Because what's actually happening is that your body and your nervous system is resetting itself. You're moving into the alpha brainwave state, which is now being triggered in the brain, 
calming the brain down and all the distress signals and all the hormonal and cortisol that's being released is now being calmed down because it's telling the body, I am safe. So that's one point for you to play with and to look at. Um, and also when you feel overly stressed, when you, and so here's the second point, sorry. So when you feel overly stressed, when you feel like you're, you're a busy bumblebee and you, you can't quite get rid of all this panic energy, we all know what that feeling feels like of like, I don't have enough time. I'm running out of time. Oh my goodness, I have to do all these things. And then we're going to panic mode. You know what? Stand up and jump. Jump, shake your arms, shake your legs, because what you have is you, your, your body is in conflict with the fight and the runaway instinct. And it's creating this feeling of distress. And so when you jump, your autonomic nervous system actually gets an opportunity to discharge of the nervous energy. And so just keep jumping until you feel tired. Sit down, take a nice deep breath, which resets the frontal cortex. And you're going to feel a lot more calmer. You're going to feel like, okay, I got this. I can do this. And then point number three, if you feel distress, and you're again going maybe into panic mode and you don't have the opportunity to do the breathing. You don't have the opportunity to jump right now because you're somewhere in between people or as we know, it sometimes happens, right? We, we can't always have the privacy that we need. What I would highly recommend is when you feel that panic, become aware of where you feel the panic or the stress in your body. When you've located that, look at your environment consciously Look around you and see if you can actually find any form of evidence to validate how you feel. 95% of the time, you will not find anything around you in your immediate environment to validate how you feel. And when you do that, the body actually realizes, oh, but we're actually safe. It's okay. Because what's happening in that moment is something, either a sound, a voice, a visual, a memory, something happened that triggered an implicit memory, which we don't have conscious connect, um, recollection of, but the emotional body is reacting to an implicit memory. And now it's biochemically reacting as if though this memory is happening again, but it's not in alignment with what's happening actually in front of you. And that is the best way to get the body to consciously realize that I'm safe. So that's three really wonderful ways to get yourself back on track really fast and to start to learn how to have control over your emotions. Oh, I love all three. And it reminds me of one that I normally say, if you get out of the wrong side of bed, try skipping and staying oh, in a dear, bad yes. mood. It doesn't, you can't <laughs> stay in a bad mood for too long. No, So I if, love that. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I'd love to know, where's the best place for our listeners to find you? So, guys, you can find me at Yvette Rose One. So that's Yvette with an E and the digit one on Instagram. We share all my videos there, metaphysicalanatomy.com. And also for the free membership site, please jump in there if you want. And Catherine, for you as well, matmembers.com. Absolutely free. Just register and dive into it and have fun. Yvette, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your wealth of wisdom. It was awesome. And I'm sure lots of our listeners are going to reach out. Thank you so, so very much for coming on the show and sharing your time and your energy. And thank you for your time and thank you for creating the space. And Catherine, thank you also for being the networker, you know, introducing me and so many other people to other, you know, to your audiences as well, because people like you, you know, I, I really, we, 
you play such an important role because you are networkers. You connect people. I love that. Thank you. And for me, it's just my way of giving back to the community. So I love it. And I get yeah. to meet wonderful people like you and uh, learn so much from amazing uh, human beings like you. So um, uh, very <laughs> blessed and blissed. Wonderful. I love that, Catherine. Thank you so much. And also thank you to everyone who was listening with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.